0: Boys and girls, I want to talk to you today. Uh, not not that I'm not usually talking to you. I, I hope that you find uh, encouragement and strength from the Bible uh, in a normal sermon that I preach. But I want to talk to you more specifically uh, today. I, and I wonder if sometimes, as children, you feel like maybe the Bible isn't really for you. Right? It's really long. It is full of big words and strange names, and it might be a little hard to understand. Maybe when Pastor Kyle is speaking, and normally it kind of seems to you that uh, I'm, I'm talking to your parents or the other adults in the room, and so maybe it's not really uh, for you. Um, but did you know that God didn't just give us the Bible for grown-ups? He gave the Bible to you, too. He gave the Bible for kids, for boys and girls to get to know him and to love him. In fact, in the, in our passage today, in the book of Ephesians, he talks directly to you. He talks to children. He singles you out and he calls you to do some things and to listen to the word of God. And, uh, he talks to your parents too in the passage, but uh, he actually says more to you than he does to them. So uh, I hope you'll you'll listen in a little bit better, pay just a little bit more careful attention, because God wants to talk to you as I read and teach these verses in Ephesians chapter 6. So boys and girls, I hope you're with me, I hope you're listening, uh, and God is going to share his uh, heart for you. In the book of Ephesians, now we're in the the back half of the book—that's all about sort of how we live out the gospel. It's the practical, because of the gospel that we believe, because of our new life in Christ. This is how we are to live, and we're in the section now where he's dealing with the the household codes. That is, this is how Christian homes are to conduct themselves, how Christian households order themselves. And so, uh, last week he spoke on. Uh, on marriage, and so we're we're coming on the heels now of that that discussion of husbands and wives and how they are to relate to one another because of the gospel and all of this again comes under the umbrella within the context of uh, walking wisely back in verse fifteen, being filled with the Holy Spirit in verse eighteen, and even most recently verse twenty one that this submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is, as you submit to those who are in authority over you and play out the relationships in the church and in your homes as God has designed. And so uh, the attention comes now to children and their parents. And so the four verses we'll look at today are all about children and parents and how they relate to one another uh, out of love for God. So let me read for you Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four, and then we'll talk about this a little bit together. Ephesians chapter six, beginning in verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Those are our verses for today. May God bless this reading of his word and may he use it to strengthen our hearts and relationships for his glory. Here's the big idea today. And then we'll see it unfolded as we go through the verses. The big idea is this. Jesus is glorified when children live under the loving authority of their parents. Jesus is glorified when children live under the loving authority of their parents, and that calls both children and parents to something that I think you'll see as we, uh, as we walk through these verses. So the first of the two chunks of this passage then are all directed to you, boys and girls, and here it is, simply this, children obey your parents children obey your parents. Now I want to say a couple of things before we actually talk about that command. I want to talk about how important it is and how cool it is that God talks to children in these verses. So I think it tells us a few things about God and his ways and his heart that he addresses children directly in these verses. Number one, it tells us children are in the audience when Paul's letter is read. So this letter from the Apostle Paul that we call Ephesians was really sent to a number of churches in the the area of Asia Minor, and these congregations wouldn't have each had a copy of their own letter like to take home and read to themselves. They would have only heard the letter when they all came together for their time of worship on the Lord's Day, and somebody would read Paul's letter to them aloud. And Paul, in writing this letter, assumes that children are there, that children are in the gathering of the church. And so, when he, because he doesn't say, hey, parents, make sure you tell your children to obey, or hey, minute, uh, directors of children's ministry tell the children who are down the hall from, from the adults that they should obey their parents. He addresses children directly. He assumes that they are in the audience, and I think that that is important for us. As a church, we've we've always had children in uh, our worship services with us, participating with us, and that's not just because we're like, I don't know what to do with these kids. It's because we believe that boys and girls should hear the Word of God and that they should worship God with their parents, and that they should learn the the language of of worship and hear the gospel over and over as the church gathers. And so, uh, boys and girls, Paul, the apostle, assumes that you're here along with the church when the church gathers, and I think that's a really important thing. Number two, it tells us that the fact that Paul addresses children directly with a command, it tells us that children are expected to respond to moral instructions. That is when the Bible says, do this, don't do that. Paul, the apostle, expects that children can hear those commands and will respond to them and obey them. And so the fact that he gives you an instruction means that he expects that boys and girls are going to hear and heed, that is follow, The instructions that he gives, that's an important thing for us to see, that children are regarded as persons on their own um, with moral agency and freedom of volition. Right, They can make their own choices. So, yes, they live under authority and we're going to talk about that. But they are their own individual people and they are expected to respond in obedience to the call of God in their lives. And then the third thing it tells us that I think is so beautiful, just the fact that they're addressed, that children are addressed directly, it tells us that God desires to bestow his grace to children. God wants to give grace to children, not just to grown-ups, not just uh to older people, but to children children, both in, in the repetition of the fifth commandment, that honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you. He repeats the, 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 the promise that comes along with that command for uh, long and favorable days, right? And also in verse four, when he tells fathers not to provoke children to anger, in both of those ways, God is aiming to protect children and to set them up to receive his blessing. God's heart toward children is evident. He desires their good, their protection, their provision. And he intends them to be included in the church community and to learn the blessing of godly, obedient living. So kiddos, how cool is it that God addresses you directly in the Bible? The Bible is not just for grown-ups. It's for you too the Holy Spirit inspired the apostle Paul to write these words to you. And so I hope as you listen this morning, you'll be encouraged at God's love for you and inspired to follow what he calls you to do. So here's the command. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. But before we talk about the the reasons for obeying, let's talk about this. Who is the obedience for? For whose sake is a child to obey? Look at verse one. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, which means with reference to him, with reference to Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say obey your parents for your own good or obey your parents because your parents deserve your obedience. He says, obey your parents in the Lord. That is with Jesus in your mind, with the intention of pleasing him, you should obey your parents. You see, children are exhorted to obey their parents out of love and respect for Jesus. They're under their parents' authority, but the main audience in a child's heart as he obeys their instructions is the Lord. It should be the Lord Jesus. In fact, Paul said in a passage very similar to this in Colossians chapter three, verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Just a little bit different than what he says here in Ephesians chapter six. Obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. He expects you, boys and girls, to desire to please Jesus and to love and honor him. And in your desire to love Him and to honor Him, you should obey your parents. You should live gladly under the authority that God has given to your parents in your life. So, children, do you love Jesus? Do you desire to please Him and to honor Him? Then obey your parents. That's the message in a little bitty nutshell right here. If you love Jesus and want to please him, you should obey your parents. You know, Jesus actually told his disciples who were grown-ups. he told his disciples in one place, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So Jesus makes a connection between our love for him and our obedience. And when he's speaking to children, he might say something like this, if you love me, keep your parents' commandments, right? Keep your parents' commandments. Boys and girls, God placed your parents into your life and placed you under their authority for your good, for your protection, your provision, your growth, your blessing. It is good for you that you are under the authority of parents' who love you and who are responsible to care for you. So out of love for Jesus, obey your parents. And then he gives you three reasons why you should obey. All right. Three reasons why you should obey your parents outside of the fact that you're doing it because you love Jesus and you want to honor and please him. Number one, you should obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. See that again in verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Obeying your parents out of respect for Jesus is the right thing to do. Right meaning it's, it's proper, it's fitting, it's appropriate, right? Um, I don't know if, uh, if your mom or dad has ever said to you, like, you can't wear that, right? You can't go outside in that cold weather with those shorts and that t-shirt. That's not fitting, right? Or you can't wear that shirt with those pants. That doesn't match at all because it's not right. It's not fitting, right? So there's a certain kind of clothing that's fitting for the occasion or for the weather. And in the same way, there's a certain kind of behavior that's fitting, that's right for children to conduct themselves with. And namely, it's obedience. It is right for children to obey their parents. Now, that doesn't mean that if your parents are telling you to do something that's sinful or that's harmful, that, you're, that you have to, to, to do all those things. But generally speaking, your parents love you and they care for you. And if they're godly parents, they want to do what, what pleases God even in your lives. So when they give you instructions, the right thing to do is to obey them, is to do what they say. God thinks that just because you're a person whom he made in his image, you might be interested in doing the right thing. And you know what the right thing is for kids to do? Obey their parents. So number one, it's the right thing to do. Number two, the second reason that children should obey their parents is this. It's what God commands. It is what God commands. Look in verse two. In verse two, Paul quotes The fifth commandment from Exodus chapter 20. You probably have heard about the Ten Commandments. Remember, this is what when Moses and the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, and then Moses goes up on this mountain to meet with God, and he comes down from the mountain with these stone tablets with ten laws etched into them that God had written into the stone, right? The Ten Commandments. Well, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so it gives the command that you should honor your father and mother. And then it attaches a promise to it. We'll talk about that promise here in just a minute. But the command is to honor your father and mother. And Paul quotes that here as a support. He says, children obey your parents. And then he quotes, honor your father and mother. In other words, this is the law. This is what God has said for children to do. Now, honor your father and mother is a little different than obey. It's actually, I'd say, bigger than obeying. I think obeying is a way of honoring your father and mother. But honor really means to show respect and, 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 uh, and, and to, to bless them and to praise them. I think it means even speaking well of your parents It means telling the truth to your parents. There are all kinds of ways for you to honor your parents, including obedience. When you do what your parents say without talking back and asking a bunch of questions, why should I do that and why I don't want to do that. When you obey your parents, you do honor them, which means you are fulfilling God's command the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. And so the second reason that you should obey your parents is this is what God commands you to do. In fact, I would say that the rightness, the properness of obeying uh, your parents comes really directly from the fact that God commanded you to do it. Because God said you should honor your father and mother, therefore, you should obey your parents. Now, kids, I don't know if... Uh, one of your uh, mom or dad's favorite things to say um, when you ask uh, why you have to follow an instruction, right? Okay, go clean your room or whatever it is. Why do I have to do that? I wonder if your mom or dad has ever said something like this. Because I said so. Have you ever heard that? I might have said that a time or two myself as a dad. Because I said so. Now, that's probably not your favorite thing to hear. It's probably a little bit annoying when your parents say something like that. But if anyone has the right to say, because I said so, it's God, right? He's the creator, he's the king. He gets to call the shots. So one great reason to obey your parents is because God said so. God said this is what you should do. Why should I obey my parents? God commanded you to do it, and that's a good reason, right? So you should obey your parents because it's the right thing to do. You should obey your parents because it's what God commands. And thirdly, you should obey your parents because it leads to God's blessing. It leads to God's blessing in your life. Look again at verse 3. He's quoted the command, honor your father and mother, and then he calls it the first commandment with a promise. I think meaning among those 10 commandments, this is the only one that has this promise attached to it. And here it is, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now the promise to Old Testament you know, old covenant Israel, when they first heard this command was literally a a, a place, a a land that God had prepared for them to live in, the the land of Canaan that he was going to give them as their home. So literally when he says, if you honor your father and mother, you'll have long days in the land that I'm giving to you. He means literally the, the place of Canaan as the home for your people. Now, so it's a little bit different for us. In the new covenant, under Jesus, we don't have a, a particular land that all Christians live in, right? Not yet. There's a kingdom coming. There's a day coming when we'll all be together in God's kingdom and in God's presence. But for right now, there's not a place that we live in. And so it, it, it's not a promise of an earthly home, per se. But it might, it, so it might look a little different. I think what God means is that when you choose to obey and honor your parents, it puts you on the path of blessing. It sets you up for things to go well and for you to know the joy and blessing of obedience to God. So if you honor your father and mother, if you obey your parents as, as he's calling you to do, it sets you up for blessing because things generally go better For those who live according to God's design. When we fight against God's design, I don't want to live like that. We set ourselves against God. And when we set ourselves against God, things don't usually go very well. You're not going to win a fight with God. So if God says, children, obey your parents, this is right. Then your obedience to God's command is good for you. It sets you up for blessing and to know the joy of pleasing God and living in a way that, that honors Him. One person that I read this week said it this way, cheerful obedience to your parents is a pathway to experiencing God's blessing. I don't know if you've always thought about it that way, but I think that's a good way to think about it. Next time your mom or your dad gives you an instruction that you don't really like, you should think to yourself, you know what? If I obey, I'm setting myself up to experience God's blessing. It's going to be better for me to obey than to disobey. But here's the thing. Obedience is hard, isn't it? It's not always easy. Now, maybe, maybe sometimes it's easy to obey. You know, like if your mom says, please bring the ice cream here so that I can serve you some of it. Well, that's a pretty easy instruction to obey. I'm on it, right? You don't have to tell me that twice or you choose the family movie tonight right and so there's certain commands certain instructions from your parents that sure those are easy to obey because you can see the joy and the benefit of it right away but sometimes <clears throat> instructions from your parents are to do things that you don't like to do like clean your room or go get ready for bed or go sit in time out or No, you may not have a snack this close to dinner. Those are all instructions that happen from time to time in my own house that I know from experience that children don't generally like. They're hard instructions to hear and hard instructions to follow because being under authority isn't always easy. But God tells you in these verses that if you decide in your heart, out of love for Jesus... That you will obey them anyway. You are putting yourself in the pathway of God's blessing. He will bless you and help you and grow you and protect you. And your life will be headed in the happy direction of knowing and loving God. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Because it's the right thing to do. Because God commands it. And because... It sets you up for God's blessing. Okay, I gotta talk to your parents for a few minutes now, but I still want you to listen in because I think it'll be good for you to hear what God says to your parents as well, okay? Well, we gotta focus now on verse four, which talks specifically to fathers. Let's read verse four. It says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the way that I summarize this is simply this. Parents, disciple your children. Parents, disciple your children. That's a little bit bigger than the immediate command in verse 4, but I think you'll understand why as we go. Now I want to make a note here about moms. Mothers are not named here. Right, So fathers are sort of singled out and given these particular instructions in verse 4. But they're visible in the passage. Back in verse 1, the command to children was that children should obey their parents, not only their fathers. Which reminds us that, that, that husband and wife, father and mother, are given a, a co-stewardship, a co-leadership of their parent, of their children, excuse me. And so children are expected to obey the God-given authority of their father, yes, and also of their mother. And so it reminds us that, that husband and wife, just as uh, one is to lead and one is to help, are to moving in the same direction in this one flesh way, that applies to parenting as well. Mothers are not sort of like left out of this. And I think Paul singles out fathers for two reasons. He, he, he addresses a report to fathers specifically, I think, for two reasons. Number one, they bear primary responsibility for how this is done in their homes. Men, fathers, bear the primary responsibility for how their children are discipled uh, in the Lord. Uh, and I think that's connected to that principle of headship that we talked about last week. That we saw very clearly in uh, 5, 22 through 33, where we're looking at husbands and wives, where he said, wives, be subject to your husbands because the husband is the head of the wife, is Christ is the head of the church. Well, I think one of the big implications of headship is that he's the first uh, line of sort of uh, accountability. He's the one who bears the main responsibility. Just as God went looking for Adam in the Garden of Eden and said, what have you done? The man is the one who bears, because of this God-ordained headship principle, who bears the primary responsibility. That doesn't mean that a woman, has, that the mom has no responsibility, and it doesn't mean that the, the mom's uh, activity and creativity and passion and involvement in the parenting and discipling process isn't important. It is. But he singles out fathers here, I think, because it's, it's pulling from that headship principle that he just talked about. And the second reason that I think he singles out fathers is that they are more inclined to the error that he calls out at the beginning of verse four. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I think fathers are typically more inclined to this error. They're more inclined to uh, the, to ang- expressing anger in from their own heart, in probably sinful and unhelpful ways, and therefore more inclined to sort of unwittingly even cultivate that in their children. Which is not to say, of course, that women never struggle with that kind of thing, and moms never you know yell at their kids or whatever. I'm not. It's not saying that, but I do think that men generally are more inclined to that kind of you know harshness and and sort of overbearing uh, demeanor. Um, so moms don't feel left out. Um, The task that Paul here places on the shoulders of fathers is the same task in which God has called you uh, to be his helper, and he needs you. So moms and dads together are bearing uh, the load here, even though fathers are sort of singled out and and bear perhaps the primary responsibility before the Lord for how this goes about. So let's look at at the command uh, real quick. Uh, He gives a negative command, a prohibition, and a positive command, like an exhortation. Don't do this. Do this instead. Here's the negative one. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now, Paul earlier warned us uh, about the soul-crushing dangers of bitterness and anger. Back in uh, chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, he said this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, those are commands to all the church, regardless of what kind of particular relationship you have or don't have. You don't have kids or whatever; it doesn't matter. That's for everybody to obey, right? Everybody is to to, to put away anger and bitterness and and wrath and slander. And to be kind and tender-hearted toward one another. So he's already sort of warned about the dangers of that and about the need for gentleness and tenderness and, and forgiveness. And, and in a way, a father provoking his children to anger is just passing on to them the same deficiencies of soul that he has. Surely we've seen the tendency of children, perhaps especially boys, to mimic the behaviors of their fathers, even to repeat their folly. This is a way that I think God's designed it to be that that children look to their parents, and maybe in particular their fathers, for this kind of uh, taking their cues in terms of their behavior and their attitudes and the way they approach life and and and, and relate to people. There's there's so much responsibility on the shoulders of fathers, as well as mothers, as they partner with them in that work. That if a father is not careful to guard his own heart against the anger and the bitterness and the slander and the clamor and the malice and all those bad negative uh, relationship crushing things, then he is simply going to pass that on to his children, both in terms of how they will be sort of victims of his anger and harshness and in ways that they kind of learn to behave and to treat others and, and, Uh, and and to exist in their own hearts. And so there's a real danger here. And so the warning is real. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now, I don't think that it means never give an instruction or set a rule that they don't like, right? Um, Or that they respond to with anger. Your children certainly will get angry and they're responsible before the Lord to learn how to handle their anger in healthy ways. But guess where they're likely to learn that from? Guess whose cues they're going to take in how they deal with the feeling of anger. No, don't provoke them to anger means. Don't display for them words, attitudes, and behaviors that bear the marks of anger and bitterness. Don't give them the impression That life in God's world is such a drag that we deserve to feel angry and bend out of shape all the time. If we walk around with that demeanor and attitude and what comes out of our mouth is just downer all the time and we're just grumpy and angry and bitter about life and what we have and what we don't have and what the guy down the street got, if that's the way that we live, we're going to pass that on to our children, they're going to begin to think, oh, this must be how we're supposed to relate to the world. And they come into those same sort of attitudes and, and habits of thought and speech and demeanor that are uh, that are soul-crushing. In the parallel passage in Colossians, Colossians 3, verse 21, Paul says the very same thing. Fathers, do not be harsh with your children lest they become discouraged. So in Ephesians, the the result of the Father's sort of negativity and bitterness and anger is that he's provoked to anger. In Colossians, it that he's discouraged, and I think those things are related to each other. I think the over time being sort of subjected to a barrage of anger and feeling angry and bitter all the time becomes just crushing. It, it's discouraging, and that it just takes the wind out of the sails, and the child will grow up. To live a life that's like, none of this really matters. I can't get what I want anyway. Life is just hard and that's all it is, right? It's discouraging. And so we have the strong warning here. Don't provoke your children to anger. I think on the flip side, it also means be kind. Be tender-hearted, like he said in, in chapter 4, verse 31, or verse 32. Verse 32. It means walk in the spirit and display his fruit so that your children are not bombarded with harshness and frustration and condemnation from the people in his life who should be the first to build them up. This is a very hard, a hard word for parents. It's convicting to me. I know that I have not uh, perfectly in any way fulfilled, uh, fulfilled all of these commands. It's It's difficult. And this is the calling. This is the, the high value uh, that God places on parents, and particularly on fathers, in the leadership that they give to their children. Don't be overly harsh. Don't be too, don't be condemning. Don't be angry to the, in the way that you sort of provoke that and cultivate that same kind of spirit in them and discourage them. We should be the first ones to, to build them up. To encourage them. And in fact, that's really the very next phrase. So that's probably a pretty good segue to the next instruction, which is the positive command. So if the negative command is don't provoke your children to anger, here's the, the positive command. It's, uh, it's basically teach and train them in the faith. The language he uses is this, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. Lift them them, raise them. It's the same word that bring up. It's the same word that he used in 529, speaking of a husband nourishing his own flesh, where he said, no, nobody hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and, and cherishes it. That word for nourish, ektrefo, is the Greek word that's, that's translated here as bring them up, nourish them build them, grow them, care for them. That's the idea behind this verb. And so it's, it's bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if I'm breaking that down uh, and maybe putting it in language that's a little more common for us to use, I would say this, it's teach and train them in the faith, teach and train your children in the faith. So those, let's look at those two aspects one at a time. Teaching, and I'll do these in reverse just because it makes more sense to me that way. Teaching, this is instruction, right? Where it says discipline and instruction. The instruction part, I think, has to do with, with teaching. And it's, remember, it's of the Lord. It's the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what kinds of things are we talking about teaching? We're not just talking about teaching your kids math or whatever. It's more like this. Teach your kids God's word. Teach them about God's character and his will. Show them what righteousness looks like. Help them learn the difference between right and wrong, between wisdom and foolishness. Right? This is doctrinal, devotional content. When he says, teach your children, give them the instruction of the Lord, it's teach them what it means to know and follow and honor Jesus Christ in the world with their lives. Teach them the content of our faith. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is how we look at the world. This is what God's word calls us to, and what He forbids. That's what it means. We're teaching our children the ways of the faith, and then the, the word for disciple, uh, discipline. I'd say, uh, train. So teaching is the, we're, the, the the content of our our faith and what it looks like, and 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 training is really where we sort of try to cultivate the the habits of life and the patterns of thought and heart and word that uh, that befit somebody who who claims to know Jesus and follows uh, follows him. And, And so he uses the word discipline here. And the reason I changed that to train is because we always associate, I think, immediately the word discipline with something negative. Discipline is correction. But I think he has more in view than that. And I think discipline really is not always only corrective. There's also formative discipline. So I think this training is both formative and corrective. There's training that's like, do it this way. And then there's time for correction that's like, that was the wrong way to do it. Then we need to address that, right? It it takes both of those things. Encourage their growth, right? Praise them when they are doing well. Praise them when they uh, when they uh, display a fruit uh, of the spirit, for example, or when they uh, obey your instructions uh, with a right heart. Uh, praise them, encourage that, and gently correct missteps. When they don't do that, then th- that's where the corrective part of training comes from, and it shouldn't be heavy-handed. And I'm going to teach you you know a lesson here or. Um, you know, really make you pay for what you did. Like it should not be retributive or or punitive in in, in any way. It should be, uh, it should be gentle. It should be kind hearted, but, but nevertheless, corrective. Let's talk about this. Let's see a better way to do this. Let's talk about why uh, the word of God calls us to something uh, different and better than this. So encourage their growth and gently correct missteps. I think that's what this training uh, has to do with. And I think here's another exhortation I would give regarding the training that parents provide to their children. Aim more for character than competency. Your goal should not be for your kids to become wealthy or to become famous or even to become successful, as we might say. Your aim should be for your children to become godly. That should be the chief aim of Christian parents. As I'm raising my kids, I desire by God's grace at work in and through me and in their hearts for them to become godly. That should be what we desire. More than I want to see my kid be a sports star or a best-selling musician, right? I want to see my child become a godly person. That is what we should desire, and aim at and in our teaching and our training we should be seeking to cultivate the character of a person who knows god and who sees himself in light of god's lordship in his life and that is all really a description of discipleship teaching and training in these ways is discipling which is why i summarize this as parents disciple your children. This is what we're supposed to do as parents. Those whom God has entrusted with children to lead and to and to instruct, disciple your kids. Well, kids and their parents will both fail in these tasks. Nobody does this perfectly. We will all misstep. Parents will misstep and drop the ball at times in the ways that they should lead and, and teach and instruct. There will be times that dads lose their patience or lose their temper and, and lash out in anger and say something they shouldn't say or whatever. It'll happen. There will be times that children don't obey their parents, that children bow up and respond to instructions with, uh, with defiance and, and rebellion and disobedience. It'll happen because we're sinners. Parents, you might worry that you're going to mess up your kids for life or wrestle with shame and condemnation over ways that you know that you're failing to live up to this standard kids. You might feel anxiety or guilt about your own inability to obey and honor your parents. You might think, man, I wish I could obey my parents, but every time they tell me to do something, I just fly against it anyway. And maybe you feel bad about that and you're, You're anxious about that. I want to do the right thing, but I just can't seem to do it. The answer to all of those struggles and to all of that guilt and shame is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all need it. Parents and kids alike. We need the gospel. You see, there is one who took our discipline upon himself so that we could belong to God even though we continue to struggle with sin and failure. The Lord Jesus Christ took God's anger against our sin upon himself when he died in our place on the cross. John 1.12 says, To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, just as God's kindness places children into families where dads and moms will take care of them and teach them and provide for them, so does his kindness place us, when we believe in Jesus Christ, into his family, adopting us as his sons and daughters and giving us a place in his home for all eternity. The good news of Jesus Christ is that when we come to him in faith and we we admit our sins and and turn away from them, and we say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to follow you as my Lord. When we come to Jesus in faith, he welcomes us in. And he says, I know that you're messed up and I know that you're going to keep failing, but you're mine. It's safe. You belong to me. We all need the hope and strength and comfort of that gospel. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ it's not too late to do that. You could respond even today. Uh, talk to somebody nearby. Boys and girls, if you're listening to this and you think, wow, I really want to, uh, to have Jesus as my Savior, talk to your, your mom or dad about it even after our service. Or, uh, or, or call me or somebody else in the church. We'd love to talk and, 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 and help you with that. Anybody can turn to Jesus Christ uh, in faith and repentance and he welcomes them into his family. children. Obey your parents, parents, disciple your children, and all of you live humbly as beloved children of God. Let me pray.